And I think people just need, this day and age, need to learn the value of just something as simple as showing up every day, doing the shit, and going home. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. One last thing before we get into today's episode. A lot of people ask how they can support the podcast. Well, I have a couple easy ways. The first way is just listen and subscribe. And another thing you can do is go follow the Roughnecks podcast on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube as well. If you get something out of today's show, then do me a favor. Share it with a friend. If you really want to go above and beyond to support the podcast, then head over to roughnextpodcast.com and get you some of that merch. I appreciate all of the support, but let's get into today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. This is episode 91 of the podcast, which is just crazy to me to think that we're already in the 90s. That means we're getting closer to episode 100. Not sure if that's going to be a typical Q&A Friday uh, like you guys heard last Friday, but uh, it may be something unique since it is kind of a big milestone for the podcast. But I have an old high school buddy joining me today for this episode, Jacob Varvel. Welcome to the Roughnecks Podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Cole. Good to catch up. Dude, so hold on. First, I got to Is it Jake or Jacob? Which one do you actually go by? So I go by Jake now. Um, just a lot of people. I Same thing with a lot of people named Jacob. They just like to go by Jake now. So I just go by Jake and then whatever nicknames people have for me. Yeah, I mean, the nicknames never change. I feel no, like never. you see like, people do that kind of a lot of times with a lot of names as you get older. Like you got Robbie, who usually goes to like Rob or Robert, like everything. People just And it's not like a bad thing. It's just kind of like what people, it's just how it goes. Yeah. And I've gone through cycles of nicknames, like in high school, you know, playing football, it was just Varvel or Varvel. And then I get to college and uh, they started calling me Farva. I don't know if you've ever seen Super <laughs> Troopers, but uh, yeah, they started Weren't calling me Farva, Farva for Halloween once. I was Farva for Halloween. Yeah. I, I even grew out the dirty mustache to fit everything in. And then uh, here recently at the bar, <clears throat> excuse me, this is actually a pretty funny story. So have you ever heard of the app uh, Yik Yak? Yeah. So Yik Yak kind of had a little revival uh, last year, and uh, I have a bouncer at a bar down here, Stevens, and I was scrolling through Yik Yak, and it said, bouncer at Stevens, his name is, his name is Lewis, and he's, he's a piece of shit. I'm like, why do they think my name is Lewis? So I sent a screenshot of it into our work group chat. And they're like, oh, your new nickname's Big Lou now. So now my nickname at the bar is just Big Lou. It's it's just stupid nicknames that I somehow tend to get. Oh, yeah. You get them through, you know, I got them in college playing football and stuff. You get, you get all kinds of things. Some of them you wish you didn't get, but you, you take what you can get, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if it makes you unique, just run with it. Exactly. See, at least if people making nicknames, like even if they don't know, like we had people in college that I played football with, uh, like we, we gave them nicknames, like when they were freshmen. And I remember like one point me and my roommate were talking, he's like, he said his real name and I was looking at him and he's like, you don't know who that is, do you? And I'm like, no. And he like said the nickname and I was like, 
Oh, that. And he was like, I was like, I completely forgot what his real name was. Yeah. And it's the same way with the guys on the rugby team here is uh, most of them didn't even know my actual name. They just knew me by far. They didn't know my first name was Jake. They didn't know my last name. So when when somebody when we were because before games, we have to sign in with the club sports and we have to give them our actual name and I said my name all oh, my name is Jacob Varvel and everybody was kind of looking at me they're like what the fuck that's your name and then it's like you're like we just know you as Farva but you're over here saying your full name yeah so I like to kick off the episodes allowing a guest to give a little background on who they are so tell the Roughnecks listeners who Jake Varvel is all right Roughnecks listeners a little bit about me obviously my name is Jake Varvel uh, I'm from Pataskal Ohio same town as Cole went to the same high school as Cole played football with them. And I also played rugby and high school was awesome. Uh, met a lot of people, but I knew it was time for a change. So I came down here to Ohio university in Athens, Ohio, where I am currently a fourth year junior about to be a fifth year senior. Uh, we won't talk about that, <laughs> but uh, down here at OU, I play rugby. I've played rugby for four years, fell in love with it in high school. So I figured I might as well come play it at OU. We compete division one, double a. So it's pretty cool to play some actual competition, I'm also a member of the powerlifting team here down at OU. Uh, I've been doing it for about two years and uh, majoring in finance. Uh, not even going to get into the job search right now. That's, that's, that's crazy. It's, it's crazy right now to try to find a job in finance. And uh, outside of everything else, I also uh, work out at Old School Gym, which is now in Granville, Ohio. It used to be in Pataskala, but they moved out into a invite-only facility where I work out with the 4 a.m. crew, Corey Gregory and all those guys. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. Uh, I'm semi-famous on TikTok. I have a little over 50,000 followers where I post rock and metal content. Um, I have my own podcast. It's called Talking Metal with Jake, where we literally just talk metal with me. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much all about me. Yeah, Dustin actually, uh, Dustin Myers was actually on this podcast. Um, Corey was supposed to, but then kind of ghosted me in a way but yeah. that's a different story not that I, i'm not mad about it i know he's a very busy person and has a lot yeah. of going on so i'm and dustin came on it was an awesome awesome episode uh two great guys definitely an awesome gym it's a world known gym too like people oh, yeah. come from around the world to come work out there and especially here in the united states like people know who he is but um you talked about the job search and like finance i'll tell you as a graduate from college it never goes as planned <laughs> I figured I have have a college degree and don't even technically have a job in my field. I, you know what I, I put in pools and patios. Like that's just what I do. And people ask me all the time. I, and I've talked about it a ton on here on this podcast. Um, you ever going to use your degree? And I'm like, you know, I've came to the realization, whatever happens happens because like I could plan something out and it won't go that way. Like, I just understand that like, it's good to set goals and strive for them, but like, it's never going to go exactly how you feel and don't get discouraged if you can't get a job right out of college because I guarantee you a lot of people listening went through the exact same thing. Yeah. That makes me feel a lot better because I, I originally wanted to do sales for a living. Uh, I joined a organization down here at OU called the Shea sales center. They're like, we're like the top three best sales programs collegiately in the country. Um, so I did a sales internship for lower.com in new Albany. What they do is they, uh, they do mortgage loans. So they loan out mortgages to people And my job was to call people who put in a lending tree, lending tree purchase inquiry or a uh, refinance inquiry and basically cold calling them 
and the information, their phone number is accessible to all of the other mortgage companies too. So they'll sometimes be getting 10, 15 calls a day. And sometimes I would be the 15th person to call them. And I'd, I'd answer the phone and be like, I have Jacob from lower, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, all right, quit fucking calling me and just hang up on me, that kind of stuff. So doing that internship made me realize that sales may not be for me. At least that sort of sales is not for me, but I've always been interested in investing and uh, the decreased use of real money and things of that nature. So I decided to pursue a finance degree with an investments focus, and I'm really starting to love it. The only problem with the finance field is it's, uh, it's, it's like a fraternity. It's all about who you know. Mm -hmm. So if you try to get an internship somewhere and you're not able to get referred or you're not able to name drop somebody, you can pretty much kiss your job chance goodbye. Yeah. It's, I, I, I learned, I mean, I didn't actually do an internship. I wish I would have, um, but I, I mean, everybody I heard that did an internship, you either find out right then or there, like, this is something that I can actually, like I enjoy and I like doing, or it's like, you're like, this sucks. I don't, I'm glad I did this internship. Cause I've seen a lot of people change their majors after internships and like kind of, or shift their major because they're like, you know, this isn't exactly what I thought it was all cut up to be. And like, that was me coming out of high school. I was like, I'm going to go major in computer science and compute like code and stuff. And then. I got to college and was like, wow, this is actually way harder than I thought. And like, I mean, I changed my major. It's not un like it's typical to change your major in college or shift your major or whatever, because you, you don't we come out of high school. In my opinion, high school doesn't do a great job of preparing you for college. I like Hell no. was like, yeah, they may teach you how to write a paper, but you get to college and then they completely change how you taught. And then but also like it, that doesn't necessarily all that that there should that's a whole different topic to kind of talk about but yeah and um like you said it, it all comes down to who you know something we talk about a lot on this podcast is connections connections are huge and that's one of the you did a good job of like you know you join these groups and that's the best way to build your connections that's the best way you know like in with rugby you probably have connections with powerlift like you have connections through a lot of different aspects and connections will get you so far in life if you can just keep building them and keep meeting new people which it took me until college to kind of figure that out. Like you don't really think you, I think in high school, I was like kind of a, not necessarily afraid, but in a way afraid, like you didn't want to go talk to like strangers or like random people you didn't know and yep. I mean, how I have a podcast. So I'm like, I'll talk to anybody. I don't care who you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, keeping on with the connections and you mentioned Dustin earlier, Dustin Myers. Uh, when I used to work out at old school, when they were in the Potasco location, I would go in there at the same time he was working out in there. So he and I kind of built sort of a small relationship. You know, we were on a first name basis. And then I saw the Instagram post about them closing that gym and moving to an invite only location. And then I put a comment saying like, yeah, it was awesome. Dustin, Corey, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And then Dustin sent me a DM and he's like, hey, bro, I got you. You got an invite. And I was like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> Why do you want me? You know, I'm not, I mean, you're in here training division one athletes, Olympic gold medalists, but you're letting me come work out at your gym. And so that happened. And then I mentioned to Dustin, I'm like, I'm big into the powerlifting. And, you know, I know Corey's got the 4am crew and he, for the people who don't know about the 4am crew, it's a, it's a very, very tight knit group of guys that if you don't, if you don't put in the work, you, they'll kick you the fuck out. I, I've seen it happen. And I, mentioned to Dustin I'm like you know you're his best friend you can you maybe say something to him next time you see him he's like yeah I got you so I went to the gym the very next day and Corey came up to me he's like hey be it be here 4 a.m tomorrow we're squatting I'm like let's fucking go so 
first workout with the 4am crew was the squat was squatting and Corey's like you can stick around so yeah connections literally got me into one of the most world-renowned gyms in the world so yeah going off even what you said there like it just goes to show putting in the work gets you helps you get build those connections and build even more connections because like you can't just expect these connections to just kind of fall in your lap you had like the only reason i guarantee you that dustin was like hey i got you you're invited because it's an invite only gym it's because they saw hey this is a guy that puts in the time that works his ass off and like that's how it goes like you're not just gonna get things handed to you it had you have to work your ass off it doesn't matter if it's lifting your job your relationship whatever it is you have to work to get to like make it strong to be something that like to get where you want to go yeah and uh, there's a guy i won't say his name but there's a guy who came into old school i'd only been on the 4am crew for about two months but he came in to work out and I, I guess he got an invite Corey let him come train and he he wasn't putting in the work that he should have been he was he was skipping sets he was making us what they do is everybody takes the same weight over and over again. And if you miss your set, we don't go back down to reload, like take the weights off and put a lower weight on. And he started bitching. And then Corey was like, get the fuck out and never saw him again. Those dudes are nuts. Those, I mean, I I give them a lot of props because if you guys don't know, anybody listening doesn't know like what old school is, go follow old school on Instagram or Corey Gregory or Dustin. And you'll just see like the, those guys live and breathe that stuff. And I mean, there's a reason they were able to do an invite only gym. They probably had to move to it because everybody wanted to be at that gym. Everybody wanted to be there. Like, and it became so much of a thing that like they're able to do an invite only because they've put in so much work that they are like recognized globally. Yeah. Corey, Corey's been doing bodybuilding and powerlifting for the better part of 20 years. And then Dustin's been, Dustin's been with the OSU wrestling team and then a few other things for the better part of, I think, 15 years. And it, it's, it, it, the work is the, the proof is in the pudding. You know, you got, I've been in the gym when Braxton Miller was in there, Beanie Wells, Antonio Pittman, Kyle Snyder, these just world renowned athletes. And then when Corey, when I started with the 4am crew, Corey would bring in guys from Westside Barbell, like Anthony Oliveira and Tony Ramos, you know, legendary powerlifting figures, guys who have squatted over a thousand pounds. And it just goes to show you that if you put in the work, you know, good things will happen. You know, Corey, Corey, Corey says a lot in his podcast. Like when I first started out in a personal training studio, you know, I never thought I'd have this sort of gym and it took him 20 years to finally get to the invite only gym. And then with the supplement company being right there with it. So delayed gratification, man. Yeah, exactly. And me and Dustin talk a lot about all that stuff in the episode or our episode, which I believe is like episode 43 or something. If you guys want to check it out, anybody listening, but how did you actually kind of start getting into powerlifting? And because, I mean, in high school we didn't really powerlift. We we just, I mean, we we did football lifting. It was okay. Yep. I think our you know, our our lifting change definitely took a a sharp change when uh, Grant came in and was training us from old school um, at the time, and it, it definitely made a difference in my opinion. But yep, it sure did. And that's literally exactly what got me into powerlifting is when old school came in and started taking over our football workouts with uh, Grant and Dustin. So we'd be doing, obviously, for football, your squatting, your deadlifting, your bench pressing, which is the three main lifts and powerlifting that you compete with. And I did the high school workouts. And then uh, once I was done with football and then rugby was uh, in season, I bought Corey Gregory's uh, 
membership for his app. And I started doing his get stacked workouts, which is basically like a, uh, it's a combination of like, uh, bodybuilding workouts from the seventies and eighties mixed with like the West side barbell conjugate method. And to make a long story short, the conjugate method is basically lifting with bands and chains, like accommodating resistance type things. So you'll put, for example, if you have 225 pounds on the bar and then you add a red band to each side, that's roughly like 90 to 120 pounds in tension. So when you take it at the top, it's really like 355. And then once you get down in the hole, it's 225. But as you're squatting back up, the weight just keeps getting more and more and more. So that's basically conjugate in a, in a layman's terms. But yeah, I started doing the get stacks and I started falling in love with it. And then following Corey and old school and Dustin on the, on uh, Instagram, I'm like, you know, I, I'd really like to start doing this like for real, like being about it. So I started going to old school at 9am because I knew the 4am crew was in there at 4am. And, you know, I wasn't ready at that point to even attempt to try to lift with those guys. I mean, Corey just recently squatted 700 pounds. So, and I was nowhere near being able to do that. So I would just be in there at old school by myself doing a full get stacked workout. Uh, and Dustin would come over and help me a little bit. And then when things really started taking off was when uh, the lockdowns happened and old school had to shut down for a little bit. So my stepdad had a uh, rogue squat rack with a uh, Ohio bar. And I think we had up to, it was like 315 pounds, I think of plates. Then I started going hardcore on the form, looking at videos of correct powerlifting form, squatting to depth, pausing at the chest for bench, uh, locking out fully with deadlift, uh, no soft knees and things like that. And I built my strength up and then old school reopened back up again. So then I went in there and applied the principles that I sort of taught myself in my garage and my shit started flying up. I was getting strong. I was squatting 405. I was benching like 250. I was deadlifting almost 500. So, and then old school moved to an invite only facility. So I'm like, well, fuck, what am I going to do now? And then obviously I got invited and I'm like, it's time to take it to the next level. So I asked if I could join the 4am crew and that's when shit really got real. That's when powerlifting was like, yep, I'm doing this shit. This is going to be my shit. So doing the stuff with the 4am crew started getting really strong, doing all their stuff, the lunges, the full workouts, everything like that. And then I got my numbers up to where I wanted them to be. And then I competed in my first powerlifting meet. Unfortunately, I got like bronchitis like the week before the powerlifting meet. So I competed with a stuffy nose and a congested chest. So my numbers weren't what I wanted them to be. But I competed in that first meet. And then that basically just set the tone for all of my training up to leading up to this day. I'm actually competing with the 4am crew on May 8th in a meet. So we'll see what I put up in that. But yeah, that's basically how I fell in love with powerlifting is uh, high school football. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought that that would be the connection, but I like yeah. what you said how you like you worked on your form. And when you kind of go back, like, you know, you didn't really have a choice. Like at least you still were putting in the work. And that was like one of the crappy things. I think that's why you saw a lot of people almost go like get down on themselves during that uh, lockdown is like gyms were closed and like, yeah, you could go outside, but like working out, is just it, it is one of the best like i feel better even if i just go to work and you know i put in eight hours in doing manual labor you may be tired as crap by the end of the day but like that next morning yeah you might be that little bit of soreness but you're still like man like i feel good like you actually got some exercise and you got your heart rate up you started working out like you you did something but you, you said like you you worked on your form and that, that just goes to show like form is key in anything and it just goes back to fundamentals 
And that doesn't matter. Like we heard it a hundred million times with football and sports and everything, but fundamentals are key. Like if you don't have your fundamentals down, everything else just goes to shit. Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's the thing about powerlifting is you could, you could squat a thousand pounds, but if you can't squat it to depth and prop and, and meet the proper standards of their form, you're going to get red lights and it's not going to count. Like, if in the USPA, which is the main federation I compete in, the 4AM crew competes in a different federation, but I can, I try to compete in the USPA because they have a strong presence in Ohio and they're really about trying to spread the sport across the country. But in the USPA, the, the crease of your hip has to be below your knee. So you gotta, you gotta fucking get down there. And they are sticklers about standards. I, on my first squat attempt, I was so nervous that I was not going to squat to death. I literally squatted so deep. My ass almost hit the platform and I'm not even kidding. I was so nervous that I was going to fuck up my form there. And then uh, in the deadlift, what you'll see a lot is when somebody takes a heavy deadlift, they'll get to right about their knees and then they'll start thrusting their hip forward, trying to hitch it up. If you hitch the bar in, in the U I'm sure it's in all federations, but at least in the USPA, if you hitch the bar up, it's a bad lift. And I had, I had, uh, what I have, I think I had 500 pounds on the bar and that meat. And I thought, I thought I had it, but they called me for hitching. So it just goes to show you, if you don't have the fundamentals down, everything else is fucked. And that's with everything in life, yeah. sports, business, school, everything. If you can't get the fundamentals straight, you're fucked. That's where like, if you're making a plan for something, if you're planning out, like you have this goal and it doesn't matter if it's lifting, whatever it is, like we've talked about and you don't have the little things first like the little things down that you need to accomplish you're never really truly going to get there you may think you get there but you're never truly there because the little things the fundamental the fundamentals are really what matters in the grand scheme of everything yeah everybody wants to everyone wants to take the giant step forward but leave all the other little shit behind and then they wonder why they're back at square one because all the little shit got messed up it's it's like with everything like with school for example uh, if you have an exam on Friday, but you spend Monday through Thursday fucking off and not doing anything. And then you get to the exam and you're like, Oh, why did I just bomb this exam? Well, dumbass, you didn't fucking study. Like and it's with everything in life. The same thing with football, dude. Like there were dudes and I'm not going to name drop anybody, but you know, oh, we all knew who they were. were. <laughs> we knew who these people were. We'd be in the film. We'd be in the film room. Everybody, you know how the film rooms are. There's some people that fuck off. There's some people that pay attention. There's some people that are just there because they have to be. And you always could tell on Friday night who watched film and who didn't because they're wondering why they're missing their assignment or missing their block or running the incorrect route or making an incorrect read. It's the little things, man. Yep. And it literally the little things just go a long way. But have you seen, so you, you play rugby at o, uh, OU. Have you, yep. did you see a translation between like the powerlifting and the rugby? Cause I feel like, a lot of people almost knock powerlifting and sports sometimes and don't feel like they uh, collide with each other. Yeah. So <clears throat> and that's a valid point you bring up. Like uh, technically powerlifting and sports don't really mix together because when you're lifting heavy constantly and then you try to compete in a sport, especially like rugby where it's 80 minutes of tackling, running, things like that, it, you run into some issues there of like, over fatiguing yourself or weakening yourself or not being able to perform either or to your best ability. But the, when I started really powerlifting and I didn't start really powerlifting until after my sophomore year of rugby here at OU, 
I could tell a difference immediately. My one when, when my squat went up, dude, the, find a motherfucker that could tackle me. Like it was like squatting is like the best thing you can do for rugby as a forward. I play forward. Forwards are the the fat guys. So we're we're like the guys who hit people, run people over, that kind of thing. Dude, if when I was squatting five days a week under Corey's programming, I had bulletproof legs. I could run through anybody. And then when we're scrumming down, when you're scrumming, you're basically like in a squat position. So when, as soon as we set, it's like just doing a big squat. So that translated very well. Um, but the conditioning aspect of it, not really well And powerlifting uh, conditioning is very uh, it's a controversial topic because you don't want to, you don't want to, how do I put this? You don't want to, you don't want to work so hard that you put yourself in a deficit and lose muscle. But then again, you don't want to be like <gasps> after like a set of three squats. So I kind of ran into a little pitfall there uh, this past season of rugby where I kind of let my conditioning slack a little bit because I was so focused on strength training that by about the 20th or 30th minute of the first half, I'd be, I'd be gassed. So I think if you're going to try and compete in a strength sport while also playing a actual sport, you got to find that happy medium of staying strong, but also staying cardiovascularly strong, if that makes sense. Exactly. It's kind of prioritizing. Like you can, in the off season, almost more power lift, but then you also like, when it gets closer to that time, you have to almost shift yourself to be able to, you know, because conditioning and pretty much like, especially the sports that we played, like conditioning is huge. Like yep. if you're not conditioned, like people always sometimes would knock football and be like, oh, you only run for like five seconds. And it's like, yeah, it's seven okay. seconds, but you are balls to the walls for that seven seconds. And you are dead. And you also have on these uh, things called pads and a helmet and a mouthpiece that's supposed to be in your mouth, but it wasn't always. <laughs> but like you go, you conditioning is huge. And I feel like nobody likes conditioning. Nobody, nobody no. likes it. If you like conditioning, you probably run track and, I mean, you're weird anyway, because yeah. I like to run. Like, I hate running. I hate I, it, too. I feel good. I feel better about myself. I don't feel good after. I feel like crap, because I'm like, God, yeah. my legs hurt. My lungs hurt. Everything hurts. But, like, you feel better about yourself when you do condition. But it, it's hard to get yourself. I feel like conditioning is the hardest thing to stay consistent at. Yep. And then, and of course, it, everything circles back around. You know, you you knock on. You don't like conditioning. You don't like getting yourself in shape. But then it's the fourth quarter with two minutes left and you're on the, you're on your own 15 yard line. You got to drive up the field to win the game. And then by the time you get to the 50th yard line, you're fucking gassed. And then you miss your block or you don't run as hard as you could on a route. And then everything gets fucked. So everybody hates everybody hates the hard shit. But once you actually do the hard shit, it makes the harder shit seem much easier, if that makes sense. Yeah, when we would do like our, we'd call them finishers, our finishers in college, like the last thing we did after the workout, we'd do it as a team. And we'd always do four quarters of something like, you know, abs or like, but like you, you did something and then you did another quarter and then they'd be like, all right, second quarter. And then they'd always mess around and they'd be like, oh, uh, so-and-so just threw a pick. They took it back from six and tied the game over time. And we're like, Oh, but like the, that's also the point though where you're like there's your extra 10 percent. that's going to come down to the fourth quarter in the fourth quarter if you're not good in the fourth quarter you're not really valid to the team you have to be good the entire game like yeah. you, you got to put it you got to put in the work to be valid for the entire game and it's hard yeah. to do and it takes 
a special type of person to truly be good for the fourth quarter. And I mean, we were, you, I was, there was times in high school where I was like, I'm good. I'm good. And I'm like, Fuck, I'm not good. Like uh, you're dying, but like, it, it kind of gives you that wake up call. Like I got to put in more work. And that's what I kind of realized personally. Like I remember being in high school and realizing like fourth quarter comes and you're tired. And I'm like, man, if I want to play varsity, I got to, cause the varsity games are longer than the games I'm playing right now. So I got to put in more work, more time, and then eventually I'll be ready. Yep. And you bring up a good point there. And I wish that somebody would have said that exact same thing to me when I was a junior, because um, after, you know, this, so my freshman and sophomore year, we had like, we had Hicken on the line. We had Worstel on the line. We had all those guys on the line, Smedley that were surefire starters. Nobody, nobody was better than them, but my junior year came around and like four of them graduated. So it was open season for offensive line positions. And I came into summer workouts thinking, Oh, I fucking got this shit. You know, they're just going to throw me in there. You know, I, I did pretty well on JV. I did pretty well playing freshman ball. So it's guaranteed for me slacking in the fucking weight room, slacking during conditioning. And then we get to two days and I think I'm about to be the head honcho. And then dudes who were busting their ass all summer were kicking my ass and then when I found out I wasn't starting that first game, I'm like, motherfucker, you know, this it's, it's all because of you. It's nobody else's fault. It's nobody else's fault that you're watching someone from the sideline right now. And then the rest of the year, I was just, I would sub in and out during the game, but I, my junior year, I never got to play a full varsity game. I didn't get to play a full varsity game till my senior year. So you three years of fucking around, you don't see the field to your senior year. So if you're a freshman or sophomore, uh, I would say high school athlete, college, the, I don't know about college football, like politics kind of thing, but if you're a freshman or sophomore in, in high school and you want to see varsity playing time, it starts literally right now. You, you can't, you can't fuck around with anything, conditioning, running, lifting, running routes, whatever. It, it starts now because when you're a senior looking at the field and not starting, it's going to come to realization. I'll tell you right now that college is almost worse. I played at just the D3 level, but like you have to constantly put in the time because there's no saying that a freshman might come in next year. That is, that'll take your spot. You can lose yeah. your spot so much. Cause like everybody's a little more mature in college. You're kind of closer and like, you know, like uh, everything with like body and everything but when you're in college, I mean, when my freshman year, we had a freshman that came in with my class. He was, you know, he came in and took a senior spot, a senior that had started for the past two years, took his spot at corner. And like, you don't think it's going to happen. You just, if you get comfortable, that's when you fall behind. Um, yep. I mean, I remember a quote from Trevor that was on this podcast. Uh, what is it? Complacency kills progress. If you get complacent, yep. you will not improve. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. I saw it. Uh, when did I see it? My my senior year, um, we had a guy on the offensive line who he started last year, and we get to two days, and he's getting his ass beat by a sophomore. And I told him straight, I'm like, dude, if you don't get your shit together, you're, he's going to take your spot. And he's like, nah, dude, I'm a senior. Me and me and the offensive line coach are like this. We're good. I'm like, all right. Next thing you know. I go to line up at left guard and he's not next to me at left tackle. So I'm like, yeah, you did it to yourself. Yeah, it happens. I mean, heck, I remember when uh, I broke my elbow my senior year of high school, I actually just talked about this with, uh, I had speaks on for the Man, last. I remember year. that. I broke my elbow and I'm, it was Tony that took my spot, who was a yeah. freshman. 
And at first I was like, well, once I come back, I'll be fine. Like, you know, I had that cockiness in me because I was a captain. I was, you know, you almost get that I'm hot shit. And I watched him do well. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I'm going to have to come back and actually kind of earn my spot back. Like, it's just not going to, things aren't given to you. Nothing in life is given to you. We've talked about it on this podcast a lot. You don't get anything in life handed to you. You have to earn everything you want. Yeah, dude. I I remember when you broke your elbow and, uh, and Tony was in there balling out. And then I remember you, it was one practice where you like, I don't know. I don't know like what coach Mead would do with you guys over in the DBs, but when we went to full team practice, there was just some about you. That's like, I shouldn't talk to him. Cause I think he'd fucking kill me. Cause I don't know if coach Mead like ripped your ass or said something, but, and then as soon as we get in out there, first receiver catches the ball and you just absolutely fucking cream him. It was like a freshman, some poor little freshman. And then here you come just jumping the route and you just fucking lay him out. Uh, I, I got a little pissed off. I, I remember those days. It, it was a, it was one of those where I, I think I was, I was pissed off that, you know, like I didn't have my spot and it, it, I was also pissed off that I couldn't play. And that was like when I first started kind of getting back into the feel of things and, you know, you know how it is when you're not when you don't play for so long, you just get like antsy, just like and especially football. Like I mean, playing safety, especially we're like eh, receivers come across the middle, we get to hit them. Uh, it's hard sometimes, and we did it all the time in college. Like we literally, the offense would go crazy, but we'd run right by the receiver because we're like, we're not gonna kill you in practice. Like we could have just leveled you and no run for a touchdown, and we're like. He wouldn't even have caught that ball, but all right, whatever. It, it's it. You get antsy and you get you like because in football you just want to hit. Like that's what you do. You hit people and yep. it's hard. It, it, it was a little bit of a uh, dick coming out of me to be honest. And that was when after high school I learned like you you think that you're mature, and then like when I went off to college and then now even after college I'm like wow I was literally a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, we're, we're teenagers out there, testosterone's flowing. You, you know, think you, you think know everything. Yeah, you think you got the biggest dick on the team, and then somebody humbles you, and you're like, fuck this, I'm going to start balling out. And I would see it when we would do, so when I, when I did, just to get extra reps my senior year, I would, because we didn't have enough offensive linemen to field a scout team, I'd be like, you know what, fuck it, I'll go play scout. I'm going against some fucking bozos on defense, you know, I'll, have, I'll, be, I'll be just fine. First fucking play, I get spin moved onto my ass, and Coach Cook comes up to me. He's like, Varvel, you're literally playing against the scout defense. And he's like, if I see that shit one more time, you are not playing on Friday night. And then as soon as he told me that, very next play, I didn't even go to my proper blocking assignment. I just ran at the first person I saw, and then I start, I just drove him down the field until I heard a whistle. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes you need, you need humbled. But then you also need to take that humbleness and channel it into something positive, like making a good play or doing the doing the right thing, like mm-hmm. be, just being a dick about it and just getting all pissed off. You're like, oh, I'm going to fucking kill everybody kind of thing like that won't get you anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I had my humbling when I went the first very first play under the lights at Ohio Wesleyan. I was on kickoff return and we got the ball to start the first game. And I got I was I played the very front guy right in front of the kicker i got my drop i planted my foot and i waited and i just got leveled very first play of the game welcome to college football just got put on my ass but i can tell you right now i never i had that spot all four years i'm not saying i did it perfect like i missed blocks and stuff from time to time but like 
I can tell you right now, like I never got put on my ass again. That was never happening again. But you need those humblings. You need those wake up calls sometimes in order to kind of, you really do need to be humbled a lot of times. You do. You know, it's, I think everybody, especially like, even if it happens at the highest level. So there's guys in the NFL that you see it though. They think they're hot shit. They're like, Oh, I'm a pro bowl safety or I'm a pro bowl running back. You know, well, who are these fucking guys? And then, I saw it on hard knocks, you know, when they go inside the training camps, you know, the starting running backs think they're hot shit. Cause they're like, Oh, you know, I'm, I rushed for 1500 yards last year. Who the fuck are these guys? Very first play, some rookie defensive lineman just rips through and just lights them up. And then he gets all pissed off, starts trying to fight him. And then the coach pulls him aside. He's like, listen, motherfucker, this is the NFL. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care how many yards you rushed for. You're getting creamed by a fucking rookie defensive lineman, you know, step your shit up. Yeah, I mean, I had because you know how scout team goes. Like, you oh, yeah. times you kind of half-ass it. You like, and you, we were doing scout team. See, we didn't go hard, hard in college when it came to like kickoff and kickoff return because like you could literally blindside the crap out of people, and like we didn't yeah. want to do that. Like, but we went hard. You, but like you, it's basically like, you get your drop, you get your guy. Like when they get, they run as hard as they can, but when they get picked up, they kind of let themselves get blocked. And I had a freshman one day. I was on kickoff return. He was on scout kickoff, dropped in my block. He ran right by me, blew, like, I just completely blew my block. And he ended up making, like, tagging off on the returner. And I got bitched out. And I was he was going super hard. And I was like, all right, you want to go hard? That's fine. Which he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. So the next play, he came running down. I had the same guy. I put him on his ass. Now, he did cheap shot me the next play. But I'm like, all right, first off, if you're going to get pissed about getting put on your ass, don't go that hard. Like, it's it, it, that simple. Like, if you want to go hard, I'm going to go hard with you. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to win. But, like, it was a humbling thing. Like, quick one through the motions. Because if you go through the motions, when it, I'm going to get put on my ass like I did that very first time. Yeah, and you bring up another good point there is uh, the young guys need humbling too. So, mm-hmm. you get you get your freshmen in there that, they, you know, they, they're with the big boys now. It's not middle school football anymore. You know, you got to – you gotta, you gotta earn the respect of the old guys. And I remember, I remember, uh, I was a, I was actually, yeah, I was a freshman. So I was a freshman and they let us come down and practice with the varsity guys. So we were all talking like, freshman oh, year would have been, who would have been, uh, was that Mike so, Ford and Nate? Yeah. Yep. Or so, er, no, no, they had recently, they just graduated. So here I'll, when I tell the story, you'll figure out who's involved. So coach cook gets us all up. So it's, uh, it's like typical thing. It's just the five guys and there's a defensive line. And then they're just going through like the blocking assignments for the plays. And then the defensive line has pushbacks. So I'm in at linebacker and I got, I got Zach Jenkins at center. And then I have uh, who was at guard. I think it was, it was a uh, Jack may at one guard. And then uh, oh, who was the other guard? Oh, no, 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 no. Zach Jenkins at guard Worstel at center. And then Jack may was at the other one. So Coach Cook tells me the blitz. So what I do is I just I grab my pushback. I just charge right into Zach Jenkins and I put him on his ass. I put him flat on his ass. And Coach Cook walked Zach up to Zach. Like oh, Coach Cook walked up to Zach and he's like, "You just let a freshman put you on your ass. That's embarrassing." So I knew this was going to happen, but the next play, uh, Terry Lowry lines up at uh, running back. And because during that time, the quarterback and running back would usually just be one of the linemen. But Terry Lowry comes in at running back. So 
Zach Jenkins snaps the ball, runs directly at me, pushes me to the side, and then Terry Lowry comes through and just fucking, because he played linebacker too, so the dude knows how to hit. He fucking runs through and he just absolutely flattens me like a fucking train, dude. Busted my lip open, my fucking helmet flew off. And uh, yeah, that's when I learned to uh, not be a pushback hero as a freshman. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to do, but we're going to go into a quick break and then we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by roughneckspodcast.com. If you want to support the podcast, then head over to roughneckspodcast.com and grab you some of that Roughnecks merch. We have everything from t-shirts, long sleeves, sweatshirts, hats, and many more. Stay up to date on the website for new merch coming every couple months. You can place an order and it'll get sent directly to your door. And I don't even take any of the money from it. The money gets put right back into the podcast to continue to improve it for you. If you can't afford to buy some merch this time, then simply just subscribe to the newsletter and it'll keep you up to date on all the new things that are coming. I appreciate all of the support you guys give. It doesn't go unnoticed. Let's get back to today's episode. actually played rugby in high school were you a part of like the first ever walk-ins rugby team that they created there so I was not I was on the the first year they played rugby I wanted to but I never went through with it because I watched videos on rugby and I'm like this is this just doesn't look fun doesn't look like the thing for me and of course Mead was trying to uh, recruit like every football player oh hardcore yeah so and then I went and watched them play the Columbus Crusaders in the I, I forget was it I don't know if it was the championship game it was either it was either the championship game or the game to get to the championship. Yeah. And I'm like well, we got a real fucking deal here. You know what? Fuck it, I'll try. So I went out the very next year at 250 pounds, fresh off playing offensive line, and I earned a starting position at uh, Loosehead Loosehead Prop, and I fell in love with the game. Absolutely loved it. That my junior year, which was my first year playing rugby, it was the second year that they had a team. Uh, we went to the state final four. Um, and it was a great experience, and then I lost so much weight. I went from 250 to like 220. So I roll into I roll into football season, you know, as a 220 pound offensive lineman. So rugby kind of lessened my ability to play offensive line but I still was okay and then we roll around into senior year rugby season I'm in the best shape of my life and I'm ready to fucking go and I'm like I want to play rugby in college I wanted to play football in college originally but I'm like fuck this I want to play rugby in college so I started balling out my senior year um I think I was uh I think I had to say so in rugby touchdowns are called tries Mm -hmm. And it's similar to football. So a try is worth five points. And then a kick, a conversion kick after that is worth two. So it still makes it seven. Uh, I had, I think I had the second most tries on the team and I was like fourth on the team in points. And there was one game where I scored four tries in one game. And I started getting like little, little emails here and there from like lower level division three rugby schools, like uh, Wittenberg, um, Heidelberg, schools like that. Yeah, facts. That's a rival. <laughs> I actually, I actually had, I was in conversations with uh, Ohio Wesleyan's rugby coach there for a little bit. Their rugby team isn't bad. We actually had a tournament at a uh, Ohio Wesleyan a few years ago. It was a, it was a sevens tournament. I don't play sevens in rugby. There's fifteens and there's sevens, mm-hmm. and literally what that means is during the fall you play with fifteen guys, and then in the spring you play with seven guys. It's a seven in like a football sense. It's like us doing a seven on seven and the exactly, soccer, and then yeah, so. 
Yeah. And then like, obviously in seven on sevens, it's all about the fast guys, the receivers and all that. And then in rugby sevens, it's all about the fast guys as well. You put your, you put your seven best athletes on the field and tell them to ball out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, uh, I ended up coming down to OU cause they were division one. Uh, we compete against schools like Bowling Green, uh, Miami dropped out of the Mac cause they're pussies. Fuck Miami, by the way. Um, uh, Toledo date or not Toledo Dayton, uh, IUPUI and Indiana University, Purdue University, whatever, um, Kent and Louisville. Yeah. So some, some big time competition. Um, and I play with, I've pl I play with guys from, I got guys from New York, guys from Vermont, guys from Georgia, Maryland, that kind of thing. So, and high school rugby really prepared me for the college level because uh, Dan Hayes, who is the head coach of the rugby team, they actually recently just won the state championship. And I'd be really shocked if they didn't win it again this year. He played rugby at Bowling Green. And if people who don't know about Bowling Green rugby, they're like, they're like the Ohio state of rugby. They're always the best team. They went, they've won the Mac championship like 38 years in a row or some shit like that. And he he brought everything he learned from Bowling Green and applied it to the high school rugby team and it worked beautifully. And then Coach Mead, you know, you know the kind of person that Coach Mead is. He was the coach of the forwards. He's all about being physical, getting strong, going to the weight room. And the two of them prepared me to play Division One rugby. And I sit here four years later, still having a blast with it. And yeah, so a sport that I didn't even really want to play turned into being the sport that I've played for almost six years now. It goes back to the whole thing that I started the episode with. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yep. Never know. So I want to kind of kick into this podcast that you have going on because it, uh, what's the podcast called again? So it's called talking metal with Jake. Yeah. And so you recently just started that not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I started it like, uh, when did I start it? I started it over winter break. So it had been about December of last year. What? So I, I kind of think I know why you started it, but like the whole, let's just go right into it. TikTok, how, what, what blew up on TikTok out of nowhere. I feel yeah. like it's always out of nowhere, in my opinion. Like I had one video that got 150,000 likes and I was like, whoa, what the heck is going on right now? And then yeah. all of a sudden you're getting followers left and right. But like, what video was it that would you, what would you call your blow up video? <laughs> So it, before I get to that, it's really funny how my TikTok page started because it started out as a fitness page, actually, <laughs> where I would just if, and if you scroll down far enough on my TikTok, you'll find all of my old lifting videos. So I originally just wanted to make fitness content and post my lifts and shit like that. So one day I'm in for those of you who don't know, I'm in the Army Reserve. I've been in the Army Reserve about four years now, but. I'm sitting in the parking lot of our drill hall on drill weekend, waiting for them to unlock the doors. And being the metalhead that I am, I see this Instagram filter where you hold the phone up and then at the top of your head, it scrolls through a bunch of different bands. So I had the bright idea and thank God that I did of making a band out of the, out of whatever, whatever band I get, I put them in one of the spots. So lead singer, guitar, bass, drums. So I made that video, didn't think too much of it, posted it on TikTok put my phone away because it's not you're not really supposed to have your phone out while you're doing army shit and just went about my day and when we broke for lunch i look at my phone and, and fucking notifications galore and i look it's got like six that it didn't it doesn't even have that many views it only got like ninety eight thousand views and it's got like six thousand likes i'm like holy shit well maybe i should just run with this 
So then I started doing it more and more consistently. And then my videos started getting 500,000, 700,000, 800,000 views. And I started getting followers left and right. And I, and I just thought to myself, I'm like, fuck the fitness. Let's just do the, I know more about rock and metal than I do about fitness. So let's just fucking do this. So, and then I had a, the video that really blew me up was I posted a top five worst bands of all time. Uh, in my opinion, what are and, they? We got you got to say them now. You already oh, started it. Fuck. Um, so number five would be oh, what? Why don't I? Even, it, it's changed a little bit since then, but the the original list was Trapped, um, and he, the the lead singer of Trapped and I got in an argument on TikTok, and then he ended up blocking me. So that was like the first thing that started getting me views is people saw me feuding with the lead singer of trapped complete douchebag by the way and then uh who was my number four um number four was bad flower which is like they're they're like an emo rock band and what blew that up is he duetted that video and so now I have all the bad flower fans coming into my comments saying, you know, who the fuck are you? Blah, 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 blah. And then I think I said number three was, oh man, why don't I remember this? Number three. Oh, number three was five finger death punch. And then, so now I get all the bros in the comments like, what the fuck, man? Five finger death punch is awesome. And then number two was, a. Uh, it, I didn't say a band, it was a genre, but it's, it's called National Socialist Black Metal, which is basically Nazi metal. So they sing about loving being Nazi, shit like that. Obviously, everybody hates that, obviously. And then number one was a Puddle of Mud. That, that, that didn't really get any traction, but the, the Bad Flower lead singer duetting it, me and the lead singer trapped getting an argument, that video blew up to like a million views. And so... I kind of stayed steady at about 20 to 25,000 followers there for about eight months. Cause I took a little break from TikTok because of school. And then I posted a video here. It wasn't recently. It was like a couple months ago, but it was a uh, dad, uh, best butt rock bands of all time or butt rock songs of all time. So, but butt rock, for those of you who aren't into rock and metal, it's basically like the shit you hear on the radio. So your radio station would be like, I'll use 99.7, for example. They'd be like, 99.7, the Blitz, nothing but rock. So, and then they play songs like Nickelback and <laughs> Three Days Grace and Stained. So they call that butt rock. So I posted that video and it got like 1.5 million views. And then I kept making, like, I think I made like six parts and all of those have at least 100,000 views. So I gained like, I think I gained like 20,000 followers from that. And then I started making more metal videos about posting like favorite drummers, favorite guitar players, favorite whatever. And those started blowing up too. And then now I sit here at 50,000 followers and uh, yeah, that's basically how the TikTok blew up. So once I got sort of a fan base, I wouldn't call it a fan base, but once I started getting like a following, I was like, you know, I'm only able to make three minute TikToks. Let's start a podcast. So I started a podcast and literally what I do is I just talk about the metal, the band of the week. I go over their history. I go over their discography. I go over their members and everything like that. So I basically just, if you want to learn about metal bands, literally check out my podcast. Cause I give you the entire history of the band who's in the band and what they've produced. So I think I basically give like the heavy metal school, I would say. 
with that history, is that something, is that a lot of stuff that you already knew, or is that something that you also do research on and, you know, learn more of the, as your, uh, on your own too? Yeah. So when I listen, when I listen to music and I do this for every genre, when I listen to music, I want to learn what the band is about or why they wrote that song. And the first band that I did that hardcore with was Metallica because they were the first band that got me into metal. So I started learning about their history learning about their albums, you know, what made them write the songs, what made them title the album a certain way, the history of all their members, that kind of thing. So I'm ba- I know literally everything about Metallica. So obviously that was going to be my first episode. So I basically gave people the entire rundown of the history of Metallica, their songs, their albums, everything like that. But just from doing fundamental research of the band like what i'll do and it's simple as this just go to their wikipedia page and then just read about them you know learn their history learn who they are why they are what they are things like things like that so and then youtube i love watching youtube documentaries about bands and things like that i feel like that kind of stuff like when you understand like why they did things the way they did it makes you almost appreciate their music even more and you you become more connected to the band and to the music hundred percent. And perfect example of that is Metallica has a song called fade to black. It's one of their more famous songs, uh, listening to it without knowing the history, you would think all it's about dude committing suicide, whatever. But the band wrote the song after all of their equipment was stolen while they were recording their album. So they were left with no equipment whatsoever. So they had to basically steal and borrow most of the equipment to record that album. So the lead singer, James Hetfield, wrote the song basically from the point of view of all my shit's gone. This is my dream. There's no hope. So he wrote the song as a person who wanted to commit suicide. But the true meaning behind the song was hopelessness. So it's once you learn the history of the song and why it was written, it makes you appreciate it much more. And you can actually feel I like to say feel the lyrics. You can feel the lyrics. You can you really can with music and like that's the thing too. I think like heavy metal and like that kind of stuff. It gets like a I don't necessarily want to say a bad rep, but it's like under or uh, mistaken. Like people don't really true. If you truly listen to the lyrics of rock and that kind of, it is a whole different ball game when you truly listen to it, understand yep. like what they're saying, and it it you kind of look take a step back and you go, damn, like yeah, they may just be doing it saying yeah uh, singing it a little more aggressively than what you, uh, where most people listen to but like i love freaking metal and rock and all that stuff it, it is and when you truly listen to it, it it's kind of inspiring sometimes in a way yeah metal's the most misunderstood genre of all music and people and of course the first argument is this is just noise and if people actually have common sense they'll think like okay so this is metal bands range from three members all the way up to i think slipknot has nine members so it's three to nine people coming together in sync in sync making one song where everything has to fit perfectly and if one thing gets fucked up everything's fucked it's not like rap where you make your beat on a fucking computer and then just makes make words that rhyme with each other to tell a story now don't get me wrong rap music especially from the 90s tells amazing stories and i love rap music but if people took the opera if people took the chance to listen to metal and not just think this is noise or blah 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 you know and the vocals they may be aggressive but read the lyrics 
like there's a song by a band called Suicide Silence and they are what is considered deathcore where the the vocals are dirty they're to the non-metal listener they'll think this is fucking trash he's literally screaming about like the death of a significant other and if your significant other dies you're not just going to be sitting behind a mic rapping and flowing a beat you're going to be fucking screaming and giving it emotion so what i wish people would do is take the chance to understand why they sing the way they do mm-hmm. and hey a way to figure that out is listen to your podcast and you'll start to learn yeah. and understand exactly yeah and i and what i like what i hope to do is being so young you know in a generation where rap is king i like to try to be like that young person because back in the back in the 70s 80s and 90s you know rock was king you know all of our dads listened to it our moms listened to it. Everybody that grew up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, they all listened to rock. Now, obviously, there was the pop music, there was rap music, but rock was king. Mm-hmm. But I hope to be that younger person at 22 years old listening to the non-popular genres and be able to get more people into that. And I think I have with my TikToks because I get I get people in my comments saying like, oh, I, I only listen to rap, but your music suggestions, I actually like this band now and that kind of thing. So my my main goal with my TikTok and with my podcast is to just keep metal alive and get people into metal. I feel like I mean I don't do it on the scale that you do it like I don't post about it or anything but me personally like country music's what I listen to a lot of and I don't I hate the new country. I I mean I just it's not for me. It it's awful. It, it's too poppy and I like you know what if some people like it good for you it's for you it, that's fine. But like I listen to like so I listened to Tyler Childers before he was a God thing. Right. I listened to Zach Bryan before he was a thing. Like I remember one of the only songs Zach Bryan had on Apple Music was Heading South. Like I remember listening oh, to him and when he just had things on YouTube. Like I, I listened to these and like that's what I look for because that's like the type of stuff I like. You almost go if you start going away from the mainstream, which you could take this in a whole different context, but you, if you start going away from the mainstream and kind of taking a step back and looking on the outside a little bit, it starts to open your eyes and give you a different perspective. Yep. Same exact way with metal. There's, there's the, the most popular form of metal is that stuff you hear like on 99.7, the blitz. And then once you, once you start getting into the other subgenres of metal, you're like, Oh, this thing's kind of, this is kind of kick ass kind of thing. And yeah. And you know, both of you and I, both you and I are from the same place. It's a small town. Everybody listens to country. Country is my second favorite genre. And uh, I, I sometimes feel the same way listening to country that I do with metal. A perfect example, like I mentioned, Fade to Black by Metallica, but uh, Till You Can't by Cody Johnson, man. Those lyrics, uh, my, uh, my grandpa isn't in a good way right now. And when that part of the song comes on where he's like uh, uh, waiting on you and your granddad to bring it back to life, I fucking makes me tear up sometimes. And I'm like, fuck. Dude, I was in college. And I was remember I was driving to class or from class or something and Riley Green song, not trying to like hit home or anything right now, but like wish grandpa's never died. Oh, dude, I, I, fathers uh, have been gone for, you know, I was in high, early high school when I yeah. lost my second grandfather and like, but all of a sudden it just hit me and I, I literally started crying and was like, I don't even like, it's been years, but like, I don't know, like music is so, it hits completely like every song hits different you could go listening to some uppity song about and you could be in the best mood and then all of a sudden that one song comes on and like it could be the first note like uh perfect example is uh, i don't know if you've heard this damn song by pecos and the rooftops 
I've not. Oh, there it the first like three notes. It could it's almost like uh friends in low places, like kind of people just know those mm-hmm. first like those first notes and like me and my buddy will be sitting there around the fire th- talking and that song will just come on shuffle and like it'll start and we just stop talking and we're like yeah dude literally yes and my uh, you know spencer he's my best friend we do the same thing we sit around we drink around a fire and we just be listening to some upbeat country and then the song uh too high to cry by co wetzel comes on <laughs> and he and i just he and I just stopped talking and we just kind of sit there and we're, and then once the song's over, we just pick up conversation like nothing happened. It's super weird what music can do to you. And uh, same way with country, man. We uh, at the bar I work at down here, we we have we have a we have a upstairs and we have a downstairs and the downstairs we play country. And I remember I remember uh, one night Boot Scoot and Boogie was playing. And then the very next song, it was uh, what was it? It was. Uh, it was uh live like you were dying by uh tim mcgraw and some people started getting emotional you know just and then i i would overhear because i'm a bouncer so i have to sit down there for an hour and just watch one of the doors i overhear people talking like oh my dad died of cancer like oh my grandpa died of cancer this makes me think of him it's just crazy how you, how you can go from boot goofing to freaking crying man it's mm-hmm. it's crazy what music can do to you it's it's truly an awesome thing too in a way but we're gonna move into the best segment of the podcast which is motivation monday Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their week as they listen on Monday morning. So what do you got for Motivation Monday? All right. So you and I have been talking about like uh, people getting complacent, uh, people not putting in the work, things of that nature. And I think now, especially where times aren't the best in the world, things are going on, war, poverty, whatever especially with the lockdowns, like you mentioned, people getting fat during the lockdowns and people started getting complacent and they started getting comfortable with life. And I think we're also in the generation where people expect shit to get handed to them. And you and I grew up in a town where that shit didn't fucking fly. You know, it's a town built by farmers, built by blue collar workers. And you're taught from a very young age that there ain't shit handed to you. You got to work for it. And what I think the problem with this generation is, is that they expect everything to be handed to them. And when it doesn't get handed to them, they throw a fucking fit. I see it firsthand every day because I go to the, one of the most liberal colleges in the United States. I'm a fucking conservative and I don't give a fuck if you're listening and you don't like it. So if you're one of those people that wake up every day expecting shit to get handed to you, well, I got some news for you. You're going to be a fucking piece of shit your whole life because you won't know work ethic. You won't know what it's like to make a living. You won't, you won't know what it's like to actually work. And I know this sounds really skewed just because the background I grew up in, farmers, blue-collar workers, that kind of shit. But we, we've we been talking about it the whole podcast. People this day and age get complacent with everything. They get comfortable in life. And then when some fucking shit happens, they don't know what to do. You know, an emergency happens, whatever. And I think people just need this day and age need to learn the value of just something as simple as showing up every day, doing the shit and going home. That's literally all it comes down to. Do people really think that I like to get up at 4 a.m. over the summer and go train and do conjugate five days a week? Fuck no, dude. You know how many times I've wanted to hit that snooze button? Because I got to wake up at 3 a.m. just to be at the gym on time. So if I go to bed at 10, that's fucking four hours of sleep. 
And it's the same way with the dudes there. You think they want to get up at 4 a.m. every day and fucking drive to the gym and work out, do conjugate all day, and then go to their jobs? I got a dude I work out with. He shows up at the gym at 3 a.m. before we even get there, does his shit, and then he goes and fucking lays pipe for 16 hours a day. That's the kind of shit that separates people from everything. You get your people who show up, do what they got to do and leave, but then you got those people who go the extra fucking mile and make shit happen. And if you're one of those people that go the extra mile and make shit happen, you will be successful. There is, there is no, no doubt in my mind that if you go above and beyond, you will be successful in literally anything you do, school, sports, business, anything. Like we said, dudes, freshmen come out and they ball out and they take the senior starting position. It's, it's just, it's just, that's the thing I just needed to get off my chest was people need to learn to not just do what's required, do the extra shit. A hundred percent. I love that. And like, I think a lot of times people almost, you know, look at the end goal of, oh, you know, you want to retire by this time. You want to be here. You want to be able to do this. You want to have all this stuff, whatever it is, but they forget about all the time, all the shit that you have to do beforehand, all the time you have to put in before you can get to that end goal. You have to put in the time because, I mean, I remember being told one of the biggest things, and it took me till kind of the end of my college career to like truly grasp it. Like, listen, this is kind of off of it, but your nine to five pays the bills. Your six to 10, um, gives you your play toy like i don't remember exactly how the quote went but like it when you look at i got told you know work your ass off when you're young now don't forget to have a social life don't you go have fun go with your friend go hang out with your friends go take little trips here and there and stuff and like don't be stingy with your money but also like be good with your money work your ass off you might have to work two jobs i mean i remember my boss telling me he was like dude i was working three jobs he's like now also like I had, we had a kid when we were like 20, 20, I don't remember how old he was, but he's like, you know, we kind of were forced to like make the money because we didn't have the money. But it's when you look at working your ass off now will pay off later in life. And I've looked at like what I do sometimes, like I mulch on the side, I'll work my job. Like this morning, actually, I woke up for the past two days, woke up at 430 went and worked for an hour and a half just an hour and a half at a different like uh for a side job went to work uh so from 5 30 to 6 45 worked there uh and then at seven went and worked my normal job and then came home and uh, i'm now i'm working on the podcast and and when summer picks up i'm gonna be mulching right after work so like it's gonna pick everything's gonna pick up to where like y- you gotta put in the time because if you put in the time now you'll be able to relax later but you won't be able to relax later unless you put in the work now hundred percent. And the example I like to use perfectly, well, there's actually two examples I like to use and I'll go ahead and use both of them was the first one is my, one of my grandfathers on my stepdad's side of the family. He's a the whole family are farmers, every single one of them up at 3am every day, do whatever, feed the, feed the cat. I don't know what farmers do. I'll be honest. They do actually, what they do. I believe next week I have a farmer coming on. <laughs> well, good. I'll be sure to check it out. But, uh, yeah, dude, they're up before the sun rises and they're not in bed till the sun sets. And then people are like, you know, why do that to yourself? Why, why do that? Well, who's going to put food on the table? Who's going to put money in the bank? 
and who's going to be able to sit on their ass when they're 60 years old in retirement because they worked their ass off their entire life. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the kind of thing. My grandfather told me that one time he's like, he's like, put food on the table, put money in the bank and put your ass in the chair when you're 60. Cause you don't have to fucking work anymore. That's he, he told me that. And I'm like, that's, that's fire. That's that lit a fire under my ass. And then my stepfather, Randy, he, uh, he was a stud in high school with football and he got, he, he went to play football at Ashland, but it ended up not working out. So his parents were like, that's on you. We don't have money to pay for college. If you want to go to college, you're going to put yourself through it. So what he did is he would, he worked in like a, I think it was like a steel mill. And then he would go to classes at night and he put himself through college from the steel mill. And now he has a degree and now he's making money hand over fist all by himself. He, his parents didn't pay a dime for college. He didn't, he couldn't afford to live in the dorms. He went to OSU. He couldn't afford to live in the dorms at OSU. So he would commute until he was able to get a house off campus. And then to pay for the house off campus, he'd be doing odd jobs here and there. He was handed absolutely nothing in life, but here he is successful as can be. The people, you can tell the people that weren't handed things in life and it, oh yeah, people might disagree with us and that's fine. You can disagree with me all you want, but like, I think the people, you can tell the people that were handed things in their life because they're, I won't even say what they are. We all know, but like <laughs> the people you can just tell by someone's work ethic and like how they treat you and everything. Those are the people that had to work their ass off that weren't handed things that, you know, they got them, they put themselves to where they are today. Yep. And the, the perfect example of that is this quote that I love. Uh, what is it? Weak, weak times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times. Mm -hmm. and, we, and we see that the World War II generation, they built this country up. This country from 1945 to about 1970 was just night and day difference the, the the guys coming back from the war ready to get to work work ethic all this other stuff and then once it started slowly getting to where we are now people started getting complacent they didn't have that that workers mindset stuff started getting handed to them and the government is partially to blame for that we won't get into that but the government is partially to blame for all these handouts and then now we sit now where there's a global pandemic People are wearing face diapers everywhere. Freaking the economy's in the trash. Gas is $4 a gallon. And, and right now we're at the time where weak men's create hard times. And what I'm hoping is that the cycle repeats itself because that's another thing is history always repeats itself. Mm -hmm. And if you don't learn from history, you're going to be doomed to repeat it. And we're seeing it right now. What I'm hoping is that these lockdowns, these mandates, everything that's been going on, the stuff over in Ukraine, the, the economy and the trash, the gas, I hope that in the next 10 to 15 years, we can turn this shit around and be back to those good times that we remember back in the, back when we were in high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And like, like you said, I mean, heck speaks, uh, Robbie speaks who I just had on again, he, in, in his episode, his original episode, he talked, he was like, dude, I was homeless in high school. Like he was living with really? friends. Yeah. Like he, he was like, I didn't have anywhere to stay. And he's like, I was homeless. And he goes, you know, he was talking, he's like, I kind of want to be there for like underprivileged kids, but I want them to understand like everything's there for you. And he's like, if anything, you have a better chance of getting out than like a normal person, because he's like, you know, you have more resources, like every more people are going to be there for you. You have more chances. And he's like, if you don't get out, it's because you didn't want to get out. 
Yep. And it, and it is a valid point. Like you, I, when he said it, I was like, when you really think about it, they almost, they do have more opportunities than most, which is not, not necessarily saying it's a bad thing or a good thing, but like it, it's there. If you want to get out, if you want to make your life better, everything's there for you. It doesn't matter who you are. It, the opportunity's there. Yep. And, uh, and the army, I saw this a lot. A lot of dudes came from, uh, underprivileged areas. You know, they, I had one guy tell me, you know, he would, he would, he would, he, he didn't have a guaranteed place to stay every night. So he would sometimes be sleeping outside. He'd sometimes break into someone's house and sleep on their couch and then leave before they woke up. But when I tell you that dude was the hardest working dude I have ever been a part of in the army, it's insane. He had, he had the drive to get shit done because that's all he knew how to do every day. It was a fight to find somewhere to sleep find food to eat, that kind of thing. And it translated over into him doing stuff with the army. And I'm sure whatever job he has now, he does the same thing. But like I said, weak times create strong men. I like it. And I think with that, that's a wrap on episode 91 of the Roughnecks podcast. Thanks, Jake, for coming on the podcast. Where can people follow you on social media and find your podcast? Yeah, so all of my social medias are the same uh, username. It's J, the letter J, Varvel74. That's my Instagram. That's my Twitter, TikTok, whatever. And then you can find my podcast, Talking Metal with Jake, on Apple and Spotify. I'm looking to branch off into other uh, podcast mediums, but for right now, we're going to stick to the Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, but Cole, really appreciate you having me on on the Roughnecks. Uh, it's good to catch up. And uh, yeah. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. I will put the, the links to Jake's uh, social media and his podcast in the episode description. So if you guys want or the details or whatever they're called, if you guys want to go check it out, so go check it out. But make sure you guys keep sending in those questions for Q&A Fridays. You can email those over to roughneckspodcast at gmail.com. Those questions can be about literally anything and everything. If you don't know what Q&A Friday is, go back and listen to episode 90 right before this one. And then uh, be sure to head over, <clears throat> head over to roughneckspodcast.com grab you some of that merch from the spring drop still have some stuff left but until friday don't forget life is hard and it's going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider don't let the bull of life walk all over you get up grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life roughnecks out Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. If you like today's episode, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend if you got some value from it. Head over to social media and follow the Roughnecks Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Don't forget to get you some of that merch by heading over to roughneckspodcast.com and subscribe to the newsletter while you're there. See you all next week. Roughnecks out.